0: Would you find your Bibles, smartphones, whatever you can find, John 19, verses 25 through 27, three verses be focusing on, but love for you to be able to see those and uh, keep those before you. We'll also probably have them on the screen here in just a minute uh, as well. But uh, we're on our, uh, looking at the third uh, word from the cross and our preparing for Easter and other things. And uh, so we're glad to see you today. We appreciate you coming and being a part. Uh, We do have uh, in our midst... uh, we have Jeff and Kimberly Burns. They didn't always go ask him to come. Would y'all come on down here? We'd love for everybody to see you and meet you. These are some of our Southern Baptist missionaries, and they have uh, been staying in our mission house. And now that you've met them, they're leaving, and uh, they are <laughs> stay for the service if you would. Yeah, but they are. They'll be heading back to Japan. Been missionaries in Japan. Been in the states. And even here in Alabama, serving as pastor the last 10 years, maybe, yes. yeah. And then uh, heading back to Japan, been waiting for it to be a little more COVID-friendly. So uh, it has lifted, and y'all are heading back this week. We're going to pray for you here in just a moment. And we appreciate them, appreciate all their work, of course, and uh, appreciate uh, the fact that uh, we can uh, at least partner with them in giving and in praying and also hopefully going maybe someday. We do. Uh, we ha- have been a lot of international, have not in the last couple of years, of course, but hope that that changes interesting way and they're sharing uh, a little bit about how they how they share probably many ways probably if they had a microphone let them share but uh, uh, but one of the ways set up a booth or something because the people they love to speak English or learn to talk to learn English so they will come and talk to you and ask a series of questions and one of the questions that you ask is what is your favorite book and almost always the answer is Harry Potter Harry Potter and uh (laughs) And so that leads to say, well, my favorite book is the Bible because it tells about Jesus and uh, to be able to open that thought is a great door and always looking for opportunities to share. So I uh, appreciate that. But uh, thank you for thinking it was uh, pack a pack of pew Day because they've got family back there on the back row. which y'all wave at us, family? We appreciate y'all being there and here as well uh, with us today. And uh, I'm going I'm to lead in a prayer. And uh, as I pray, uh, and I'm going to say mine aloud, but I... A couple of hundred voices would be good. And so as I pray, uh, you pray silently also. Jeff and Kimberly Burns and let you know we we have their cards. I think we have them in the hallway. So you can grab one of those cards and be praying for them. We'll have them on our... Uh, missionary prayer list. and uh, So we'll be praying for you and continue to do so and hopefully uh, continue to partner with, with you and hope you'll keep in touch. Let us know how things are going as well. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to you on this Lord's Day. We recognize your presence in this place. We know that you're going to continue to be at work. We thank you for Jeff and Kimberly and we thank you for their family also who are here. We thank you for their love for you and love for your church, whether it be here in the United States or around the world. And, uh, Father, we thank You as they'll go and gather with other believers and seek to share the gospel. And, uh, Father, we, we pray for Japan. We pray, Father, as they go and share and, and the many needs that are there, Father, and those who need to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We pray that You'll open doors uh, greater than ever before. We pray that as we pray that there'll be a spiritual awakening here, we pray that there'll be a spiritual awakening in that part of the world. Uh, to where more and more will come to know Christ and be discipled, churches will be planted. And uh, Father, we pray for Jeff and Kimberly this week as they travel. We pray that you'll keep them safe. We pray that you'll keep them healthy in the days to come. And we thank you, Father, that uh, for their good work. And we thank you that we can partner together as uh, believers in the Lord Jesus uh, with sharing the gospel wherever you've led us to go. And uh, we lift these prayers up in the precious name of Jesus amen and amen it'd be okay to applaud how the Lord's going to be using them we appreciate it Thank you yes 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 well, and glad to see our mission house has been put to good use and help us to maybe have some of those connections so we appreciate certainly all of that we're in uh, John chapter 19 verses 25 through 27 in this now is the Word of God. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his, and his mother's sister Mary, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciples, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. Uh, Well, for sake of illustration, uh, the seemingly overpriced, but some people cannot do without Starbucks, has been receiving complaints. First of all, complaints, because they have not been getting right, is because they are so busy. It is the complaint that they have turned the art of coffee making into a mechanized process that does not always turn out to be like everybody wants it to be. So all those who... Have been working at Starbucks across the nation and probably further than that. Have been instructed to do things differently. Slow down, no more than two customers at a time, to be sure that uh, when you whatever you heat the milk or whatever it is, it's one cup at a time and not a whole pitcher at a time. To use only one espresso machine and to keep up with the things that they need to keep up with. So they've been trying to take care of these things, but since they've been doing that, well. Now there's more complaints, and maybe you've experienced it as well, that as you go, now they're slower than ever before. It takes you for a long time to get your grande, no whip, low-fat, extra hot, caramel ribbon crunch frappuccino, or whatever it is that you might be ordering. Not sure what all that is. Aren't we glad we serve a God who is never late, always on time, and always gets it right? Along that same uh, line, I guess, a recent time.com article reports that email and Facebook and Twitter and Zoom and the Internet in general is turning us into terrible friends. While more and more people, I guess, are connecting on a surface level and connecting through the Internet, uh, there are less and less people that are caring for one another or making really any uh, long-lasting friendship, showing less empathy and have fewer and fewer confidants. According to this article... The answer is found a little less network time, a little more FaceTime. You think, did it take an article for us to know that? Long ago, God knew if we're going to know a real genuine love relationship, it was going to take some FaceTimes. So, for God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, so that we might be able to behold the face of God, have a Christ-centered relationship with Him and with others. The cross proves that He wants to communicate His love for you and me face to face. Now, we are listening to what Jesus has to say from the cross. We call it seven words from the cross, but we understand there are seven different times that Jesus spoke about seven different things. We're on the third of those, so we're, we're preparing. This the series kind of is to prepare. We're preparing for, for resurrection. For Resurrection Sunday is already taking place, so we're preparing to celebrate. And we're not waiting to Easter to celebrate, you understand? We celebrate every time we come together, and every day should be a celebration. We're preparing to fight the good fight as... Paul talked about exemplified in Jesus on how to fight the good fight as we seek to move forward. By the way, speaking of being able to go to Japan and being able to, uh, you know, the bans on uh, COVID and all that, some of that has been released. I think this is the first Sunday that I'm looking around to see. I think this is the first Sunday in both services I've not seen anybody wear a mask. Now, if you want to wear a mask, I think that's fine. I don't know if there ever be a day that we'll just... uh, have a mass burning day and be able to just kind of move forward from that. But, uh, uh, but hopefully as we move forward, we understand there are going to be some challenges and we'll not be able to fight the good fight and we're preparing for victory. And that is we know that victory is already being assured in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. The, the first word from the cross had to do with Jesus talking and praying for His enemies when He said, Father, forgive Now, forgiveness is a good place to begin. There is no salvation without His forgiveness. And if we've been forgiven, then we also need to practice forgiveness. Then last week, appreciate Brother Bobby taking care of uh, the second word from the cross and that great passage about the greatest comeback, one of the greatest comebacks in history outside that of uh, the resurrection. It is the one, the thief who was on the cross when Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. By the way, if you're watching any basketball today or next weekend or the next, and there's any comebacks that take place, I think it'd be okay to be reminded that the greatest comeback in history, of course, was Jesus when He died on the cross three days later. He arose again. And you might remember one of the great comebacks of the thief who was on the cross last second buzzer, uh, just before the buzzer hit. He scores because he meets Jesus. So anyway, great message last week. While these events were about... Jesus dealing with first with his enemies and then with a stranger. Today, as we talk about the third word from the cross, it is about people who were close to Jesus. In fact, maybe two of the people who were the closest to Jesus, if anybody else on earth. These words remind us that Jesus never stopped showing care and compassion for all who belong to him. Jesus shows care and compassion for all those who belong to him. The message of Jesus' words in this passage—it's not complicated. It's simple to understand Jesus cares and He desires for you and me to follow His example. This passage allows us to be able to see what things look like at the cross from Jesus' vantage point. You've seen pictures or maybe you thought of what it might look like with the three crosses and all the things that are happening around the cross. Well, this is one of those passages that helps us to be able to see what it may have looked like from Jesus' viewpoint. Jesus looked out from the cross. Who did He see? We already know that there were a mass of people watching. There were Jewish rulers shouting insults. Many Roman soldiers that were mocking and gambling for his robe and garments, not to mention the thieves to his left and to the right. Well, who else was there? Some people that were close to him. Mary Magdalene was there. She had been delivered from demons. She could talk about the redemption and the power of God firsthand in her life and what Christ meant to her. It seems that she used her resources to help the disciples during the ministry while Jesus was on earth. And she'd play a prominent role also in the resurrection account as she was there at the empty tomb. Salome is there. That is the sister of Mary, if we understand that is the sister of Mary. While she's not mentioned by name here, other Gospels show that she may have been the mother of James and John. Now consider she's the mother of James and John, then she's the one that came to Jesus and said to Jesus, "When you come into your kingdom, can my sons, James and John be on the left and the right of your kingdom? And now she here she is at the foot of the cross. Do you think she has a little bit different perspective while looking at the cross and wanting about her sons' being on the right and left of Jesus? Another Mary, the wife of Clopas, is there. We read it a moment ago. We know even less about her, but she appears to be another friend of, at the cross who Also may have been one of the Marys at the tomb later. In Matthew, these women are described as those who accompany Jesus and the disciples in order to help take care of their daily needs. The only disciple of the twelve who seems to have come too close to the cross was John, the beloved. Arguably, the closest disciple to Jesus. Now, we know that John will continue to play a prominent role in sharing the good news for another 60 years. But the woman who was the closest to Jesus, no matter what others may say, but the Bible tells us it was Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's at the cross. What joy she experienced at the birth of Jesus, at the announcement, first of all, by the angel, then the birth of Jesus there in Bethlehem. And we find more than one time it says about the things of Jesus that she ponders these things or she treasures these things in her heart. And so Jesus, we know, lived in Nazareth. So he either lived with Mary or Mary and Joseph for a time or near Mary and Joseph there in Nazareth. She saw Jesus grow much like we grew or have grown as youngsters. And Jesus learned. Hard to think about Jesus getting smarter, but it says He grew in wisdom and stature. And so I wouldn't say necessarily like us because His was imperfection. And in this gospel, the, the one that John wrote... John introduces Mary toward the beginning of the gospel. It doesn't tell about the Christmas story, but we're introduced to Mary at a wedding. Do you remember Jesus turning the water into wine? And when Mary asked of Jesus for assistance, it almost sounded, when we translate it into English, as if He rebuked her. He said, Woman, my time has not yet come. And there He addresses her here. Look, take a look, also in a similar fashion. Woman, some translations say, Dear Woman. Both times, though, showing great respect. And here she is at the cross, and now she realizes His his time has come. And now, where she is introduced to us at a funeral, at a wedding, now she's introduced at a funeral, and she'll not need to ask Him for assistance, but He will give it freely. Now, in Luke chapter 2, where the Christmas story is told, Mary and Joseph take the baby into the temple in Jerusalem as a time for dedication. And there, Simeon gave prophecy about the Christ child. Listen to what Simeon said about the Christ child in Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. Luke chapter 2, 34 says this, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall of the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. This is without a doubt a prophecy about... Mary and about her personal agony that she would endure while she watched her son suffer and die on the cross. Remember, we're looking at the scene through the eyes of Jesus. In chapter 19, John 19, verse 26, we read, When Jesus saw his mother, and when Jesus saw his mother, we know this, he was moved with compassion. All the disciples and all the would be disciples and all the would be followers had fled except these four women and John. And John notices, though, who or remained faithful to the cross, in particular Mary, and He shows her care. Here's what you need to know. Regardless of what you're going through or how you feel, Jesus notices and cares for you. Psalm 33, we've been reading through the Psalms, and Dick mentioned one earlier. In Psalm 33, here's how it says it in the Living Bible. The Lord gazes down upon mankind from heaven where He lives. He's made their hearts and closely watches everything they do. And we know the Lord is omniscient, that is, that He sees all and He knows all. That Sometimes that might bring fear that He really does see and know all, but we understand from the first word from the cross about the forgiveness of God. But it also means, and the emphasis here, is not that He sees your sins, though He does see that, but He sees your hurts and your struggles and your pains, and you're not alone. And when God sees you and me, He is also moved with compassion. Verse 25, we read a moment ago, it begins by saying, standing by the cross. So let me ask you this morning, are you still standing by the cross of Jesus? I mean, in spite of all the things that we have gone through in the recent past, in spite of all the things that are happening in the world, are you still standing by the cross? I invite you this morning to come near the cross so that you might be able to experience and might be able to hear Jesus firsthand. Jesus cares for you, even if you're far away, He cares for you. But you've got to know that you cannot hear, you cannot experience firsthand all the compassion of Christ unless you are coming near. And it may be that you need to come near for the first time and maybe even in this service from somebody here today or somebody's watching live stream that for the first time that you know that you need to make Jesus your Savior and Lord and we encourage you to do that very thing. He has done is doing whatever's necessary to care for you. And if it's true that there is a broken heart in every row in the church that many experiencing struggles and heartaches and worry, some that you've not shared with anyone, you can be sure that He knows. And Jesus has done and is doing all that is necessary to care for you. What are you in search of today? Whatever secret that you have been keeping or whatever burden that you need some relief, the Bible says, and Jesus tells us, cast your cares on Him for He cares for you. Some of the burdens that we carry, sometimes they're due to consequences of our own sin. And it may be, as we've talked about before, that you might need to turn that sin or that guilt over to the Lord. Some of the burdens that you may be carrying may be because of somebody else's sin, somebody else's fault, or simply because you live in this fallen world. It's due to nothing that you have done. But no matter what it is, this morning, Jesus wants you to come near the cross and know the suffering that He endured was not for nothing but that, so that you could trust Him for salvation for all eternity and for every possible need that you could face today. Jesus cares for you and your problems and even more than that. His power will not only help you to overcome what you're facing, but He can use whatever struggle that you may be facing in order that you might, He might make you more like Him, more Christ-like. And so that you might be able to somehow use that struggle to help to further the kingdom by being a witness or a testimony along the way. This doesn't happen automatically. But like we see in Mary's life, we must submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and learn to trust Him for all things still standing near the cross of Christ. So the message is simple. Jesus cares for you. Coming near the cross means trusting Him, seeking Him by spending time in prayer and time in His Word and seeking to please Him in all that you do and seeking always to be in the center of God's will. Well, there's some other implications from these words from Jesus from the cross that I sure don't want you to miss. If Jesus never stops showing care and compassion for us, then Jesus' words teach us to show care and compassion for others. Now, this morning we want to be very practical So let us think for a moment of the people in our circle of influence that we need to show care and compassion. Well, we need to show care and compassion for family. Like Jesus showed us by example, of how he cared for his mother by asking John to take care of her, you need to care for family. Why did Mary need John to take care of her? I mean, what about the rest of Jesus' family? Or what about uh, uh, his half-brother's? Well, most Bible students believe that by the time of Jesus' ministry, when He reached 30, the three-year ministry that Joseph had died was no longer part of the picture because he's not mentioned outside of the Christmas story when Jesus was 12 years old and went to the temple. Jesus was the eldest, and His responsibility for caring for His mother. Jesus had at least four half-brothers and two half-sisters. But whenever we hear of them in the Gospels before the cross we find them coming to get Jesus in order that they might uh, knock some sense into Him or to take Him back home. In other words, they're not believing yet the message that Jesus is giving. They think He's beside Himself. On one occasion, when Jesus was told His mother and brothers were outside the door while He was preaching, He used that not as an opportunity to go to them, but in order to give an illustration. He said, My mother and my brothers are anyone who does the will of God. It seems that Mary took this to heart, and because of her faithfulness to Jesus, she may have become estranged from the family at least for the time. Anybody here have any family problems? Let me rephrase that. Anybody here have any family? Maybe you've got a perfect family, and maybe uh, yours you'd, you'd be the only one sometimes when I'm doing premarital counseling and talking to the bride and the groom and I talked to them about, I particularly take an opportunity to look at the husband-to-be and to say that a husband-to-be I said, now, it may be that you'll be able to always make your wife and your mama and your new mama in law happy all the time, but you would be the very first if that were true. I think, I think Mary had to make the choice. What, what choice does she make? Where do we find her on the day we ambiguously call Good Friday? She's at the foot of the cross, still standing with Jesus. Mary reflected what the psalmist said in Psalm 34.1. Psalm 34.1, I think we've got it on the screen there for you. But Psalm 34.1, a paraphrase, I was going to give you the paraphrase. I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. Her choice may not have necessarily been between Jesus and the rest of her family. Her choice simply may have been in doing the right thing. I'm going to become a follower of Jesus. I'm going to do what pleases God. I'm only going to do what pleases God. and I'm going to do nothing else. You see, when we do that in our family or with other people that are around us, we decide we're going to do the right thing. Then it is up to other people as to the choices they're going to make. And hopefully it is an example and influence that they'll also want to make the right choice. But the ball really is in their court at that point. And they need to choose what is best. You might remember that Jesus said, I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Sometimes following Jesus even separates family. and The family He separated may have been His very own. Thus He called on the disciple, the one called the beloved disciple, to care for His mom. Mary's choice to follow Jesus may have isolated her family for a time, but there's always a spiritual blessing when we decide that we're going to follow Jesus first and foremost. For in this case, spiritual blessing may have been a a new son. At least that's what Jesus called John in this case. John, the beloved disciple, took Mary into his own home for as long as was needed. In modern-day Turkey, there is uh, the ancient city of Ephesus. It's one of the great archaeological discoveries of modern times. They're still uncovering parts of the great city of Ephesus that takes place there. They discovered many Christian symbols, evidence of the first century Christians who were there. And uh, the great theaters is there mentioned in Acts chapter 19 where because of the growth of the church, people, Christians were brought in in a riot that took place against Christianity. Tradition in church history tells us John, this John, became the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Well, what happened to Mary. Well, outside the city of Ephesus, up a steep hill or a mount, now a shrine believed to be built on the site of Mary's house, where John cared for her the rest of her life. Hundreds of thousands of visitors visit Mary's house a year. Three popes have come and have declared it to be Mary's house. Regardless, it stands as a shrine to the blessing that Mary received because of Jesus. But there's another blessing. Her other children... Maybe all of them became believers after the resurrection. Now consider being the half-brother or the half-sister of Jesus. And if you're told, Jesus tells you, He's the Son of God. And then you see your brother arrested, tortured, ridiculed, placed on a cross three days in an airless tomb, rise again and then come see you again. Don't you think you believe your brother probably pretty much at this point? James, one of the brothers, became one of the prominent leaders talked about in Acts. He's the pastor in Jerusalem. Jude, you remember that little book right before Revelation, second to the last? That's Jesus' brother that wrote Jude. You know what Jude's given name was? Judas. I believe if my was named Judas. Not Judas Iscariot, of course, but I believe I'd use the nickname as well. Well, uh, Mary was not perfect, we understand, but she remained faithful in her greatest blessing when she was able to see firsthand that Jesus was faithful to the end as the Savior of the world, and He was faithful to her. He exemplified what Ephesians chapter 6 tells us, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Jesus is our best example of care and compassion in the home. You might say, well, preacher, you don't know my family. No, but Jesus does. And we're to be the salt and the light in the family and the home in which the Lord has us for as long as possible so that we might be a good influence on them. The tougher the family, the, or the greater opportunity it is to be a light for Jesus. And consider this, the tougher the situation, you, you got it tough, Well, what greater motivation to remain standing near the cross of Jesus? But also, we not just show care and compassion for family. We need to show care and compassion for friends. There are people in your circle of influence for whom I have no doubt the Lord has brought you all together so that you might represent God's love for one another. Perhaps there are some in your circle of friends that need to be brought close to Christ or closer to Christ or some who need to know Jesus for the very first time to win them to, we win them to Jesus through loving kindness. You ever, uh, you ever hit the snooze button more than once in the morning? Any of you do it? Today, perhaps, man, the snooze button, sometimes after it goes off several times, my wife, Kelly, will sometimes say, you, you got to get up. I say, but I want to get up. She said, you got to get up. Why do I have to get up? She'll say, because it's Sunday and you're the preacher and you've got to go. <laughs> I hope this event on the cross sets the alarm that we cannot keep putting off. We become so preoccupied with our own lives and even doing what we may be good stuff that we forget or put off caring for the people around us. I mentioned earlier with Zoom and messaging, surface relationship. Believers must be intentional if we're going to be like Jesus with FaceTime. Jesus was taking on the sins of the world, the weight of the world was on his shoulders. Don't you think that Mary would have understood this one time if he didn't take care of her from the cross? But Jesus exemplifies what needed to be done, what needed to be taken care of. As believers in the Lord Jesus, well, we're supposed to love everybody, love the world, love everybody, this side every side of the world, no matter who it is. But we're not doing it if you're not loving those people who are in your sphere of influence and those people that the Lord puts in your path. We're to cultivate relationships so that we might share Christian love. John chapter 15 verses 12 and 13 says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus is our best example of showing care and compassion for friends. So, show care and compassion for family, show care and compassion for friends. Also, we're to show care and compassion for church family. In fact, this third word from the cross redefined what the word family means. In the crowd of those who put Jesus on the cross, blasphemers and onlookers and politicians and religious zealots and thieves and hypocrites, five believers are still standing by the cross, faithful to Jesus. Three Marys, a Salome, and John. Do you see the picture? This is a picture of the church in this world clinging to the cross of Christ in faith, even in the midst of injustice and hatred and cruelty. Believers staying, standing near the cross, care for one another. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran pastor in Nazi Germany who stood against the Germans and the Holocaust, said this, A Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another or it collapses. How grateful I am for the members of Parkway Baptist Church who care for one another, who take the time and energy to offer assistance, to lift up prayers, to offer encouragement. What makes Parkway Baptist Church different? It's you. It's you who are caring for one another. I have loved Parkway Baptist Church for 32 years. I may have loved you more longer, but that's as long as I've known you. I've been able to do life with you now. We've lived together and done life together now for 12 years. And boy, this may scare you, but let's, let's do at least another dozen or so together as we continue to seek to serve the Lord. We've talked about how it's duty of the eldest son to care for his mother after the father had died. Thus, Jesus was taking care of His responsibilities. But what a privilege it was for John to take the place of Jesus as the caregiver for his mother. What a privilege it is for us to be able to care for one another and to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to one another and to those even outside the community. We've been talking about Jesus cares for you, have we not? You can trust Jesus. Jesus wants to take care of your needs, He wants to give you encouragement. What do you who do you suppose is this primary way of wanting to care for one another? It's one another. He wants to do it through you and I and what a privilege it is to be able to care for one another and to follow and to be able to help others and to pray for the sick, to offer assistance during times of crisis, encourage the downtrodden, the church is the body of Christ and Jesus cares for her. And He wants to use you and I as the main way of showing that care and offer practical help. Can I tell you something else? In these days of unbiblical and immoral decisions being made against humanity, and we pray for the leaders of our country, we pray for the leaders of other countries around the world, we pray for change and wisdom and even compassion. Well, believers are called to make a stand. And that stand begins by standing together near the cross of Christ. It took courage for John and these four ladies to come near the cross of Jesus. Where were the other ten disciples? The greatest act of courage that you can show will be to live and to love like Jesus. Now I'm not asking you to go and stand somewhere in a public square in protest. But there should not be an empty seat in this place or in any evangelical church because of all the things that are happening in the world today. And let's just say it. You know, I don't think of it necessarily as coming back but moving forward. But many people are back to doing the things that they have done, they'll do everything else. But sometimes the last thing that they've chosen to do is to be able to be at church and to be a part of the church that is taking place. And then as we come, and while this is the place, why, why should we come together? One is the fellowship and the love that we have for one another. But we ought to be listening, man, with an attentive ear to Jesus, the Almighty God and Savior, and what He has to say to us today. And then as we leave this place, we need to be ready to live and to love like crazy for Jesus do we live in a world where people are in seemingly hopeless situation cruel dictators and no regard for humanity pandemics shutting down nations and people living in jeopardy when I'm wondering where's God and what is he up to I remember the psalm like that was read by Dick earlier in today in this worship service or like the Isaiah chapter 59 Isaiah chapter 59 to where it says, Behold, the Lord's arm is not so short that it cannot save, nor his ear so dull that it cannot hear. When the truth has fallen in the public square, a Redeemer has come to Zion. He's put His word in your mouth and the mouth of your children and your children's children from this time forth and forevermore. He has already won the victory. Now, we have battles to fight, but Jesus has already given us the victory. So we're showing care and compassion, family and friends and church family. We need to be sure to show care and compassion for the forgotten. What, when you view the cross and all the things that are happening around the cross, this little group of believers at the foot of the cross would have been among the forgotten had it not been for Jesus. Jesus teaches us to notice the unnoticeable, to not forget the forgotten. We're to take a look at the people. The world would not have taken a second look. May Jesus open our eyes to people we may not have noticed before we met Christ. Well, He also teaches the proper attitude toward the people who are different from us. Jesus died for all people, regardless of race or social standing or economic status. Jesus taught us to love tax collectors and sinners and adulterers and homosexuals and liars and thieves and speak the truth in love while standing on God's Word. It's a story about Mary. Every story about Mary reminds us of our access to God. For we do not pray to Mary, but we go directly to Jesus with our prayers. And by expressing true Christian love in practical form, we notice the unnoticeable. We care for brothers and sisters in Christ. We help family and friends, not just in thought and not just in word, but by tangible action. The lesson from the cross for today is that Jesus notices others. An artist painted a picture many years ago. I think I've got that picture here for you. And it shows, uh, if you look off in the distance, you see the three crosses that are there. There's John and there's the four ladies that we've read about today. Sometime probably toward the end of that day after Jesus has been taken down from the cross. And they're returning. You see the agony on Mary's face. I don't see it, but I'm told that there's a shadow of a circular object in Mary's hand that represents the crown of thorns that shows the suffering and the shame that Jesus endured for our sake. A reminder that it's a mother's love who gave birth to the Savior. It's the depth of her son, the death of her son that gave her life, eternal life, and to all who come to Him. So Jesus' words on the cross reminds us, you are never forgotten. You are never forgotten. Since this is an event that we shouldn't just talk about, but should lead us to very practical Action. You've got the four F's that we've talked about there. Family and friends and church family and forgotten. Maybe maybe there's one or two names or initials that you could write next to one of those. Somebody that this week that you could give encouragement to. Somebody that you could reach out to, pray for. Maybe somebody that you can invite or share with. During the month of February, we laid out here Who's Your One cards. We had 208 names of lost and or unchurched people here on our altar. And probably you wrote those names down, you put them on the altar, they fit into one of these categories. And so may what Jesus did on the cross, may His words from the cross lead us to action. Maybe today you need to know Jesus, that He cares for you for the very first time. You need to come to Him Or you need to turn everything over to Him today. Still standing near the cross describes your devotion and your commitment. It is because of Christ that you've been invited to come stand near the cross. It's because of His love. And it's also His love that causes you and I to be devoted and committed to Him. Found regardless of what happens in this world. Regardless of what happens to you personally that you know that you can still be standing near the cross because of His grace and by your faith. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank You for the opportunity that we have to hear these words up close and personal by the Scripture and also by spiritually walking close to the cross and walking near You. Father, help us to always be in tune and attentive to what You'd have to say to us. We pray today... certainly for anyone who's here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day of salvation. We pray, Father, for all those who are believers today that we might recognize because of what Jesus has done for us that we can cling to the cross knowing that it is the center of where we need to be that you can lead and guide us and more people will be influenced and encouraged to come to the cross of Christ. Continue to prepare our hearts celebration of the resurrection. Prepare hearts to be ready to fight the good fight and prepare hearts knowing that with every battle, you've already won the victory. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name we lift these prayers. Amen.